Welcome to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. I am your host, Leah Darrow, and I share with you inspirational people who are truly doing something beautiful to make our world better. We are inspired by the words of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who said, do something beautiful for God. Do it with your life. Do it every day. Do it in your own way, but do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. For you, the listeners of the Do Something Beautiful podcast, with a free 30-day trial of Audible, you can get my new book, The Other Side of Beauty, read to you by yours truly for free. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. Audible is Amazon's audio bookstore and it has over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. And so if you're like me and you like to listen to books while you travel, exercise or cook, this is perfect for you. To get my audiobook for free, all you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash Darrow. That's audibletrial.com slash Darrow, and you're in. The Do Something Beautiful podcast is also brought to you by Haiti 180. If you want to do something beautiful in the world, but find yourself busy, possibly overwhelmed with life, family, or work, but you still want to donate money for a good cause, you can still do something beautiful by becoming a Team 180 member. Haiti 180 provides an orphanage for 40 children, two elderly homes, a school for over 200 students, and a medical clinic in a small village in the hills of Haiti. Now, many of the listeners of this podcast have generously donated over $26,000 to build the maternity wing of the new hospital. And for as little as $15 a month, you can sponsor an orphan. That's 50 cents a day, people, 50 cents a day to help a little boy or a little girl have a good and just life. I've been there. I have seen their good works and I continue to give them my time, talent, and treasure. And I'm asking you to do the same. Go to Haiti180.com and do something beautiful with me. That's Haiti180.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Do Something Beautiful podcast. We are here in season seven. Today, we are speaking with the wonderful and fantastic Lila Rose. Oh, Lila. I just love Lila. Lila's a sweet, sweet girl. We have known each other for a while. And this is the first time that I actually get to sit down and really talk with her. <laughs> she is so busy. I am so busy. We rarely get a chance to really have a long conversation. So this is great. It was a great time just to chat with her. In fact, before we even began the podcast, I think we were talking for at least like a half an hour before that. And then we realized we, we should probably do the podcast. So here it is. Here is Lila Rose for you. Lila Rose, if you don't know, is a speaker, a writer, and human rights activist. Lila founded and serves as president of Live Action a media and news nonprofit dedicated to ending abortion and inspiring a culture that respects all human life. Live Action's groundbreaking news coverage and compelling videos reach several million people weekly across Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and Instagram. Pretty big deal there. Lila has been on, you name it, every probably news channel possible, Fox News, Hannity, Tucker Carson Tonight, a whole bunch of everything, CNN, HLN, and many other national television and radio programs. Lila's investigative reporting on the abortion industry has been featured in most major news outlets, including the Los Angeles Times, Washington Post, CBS, and ABC Nightline. If you don't know much about Lila Rose, that's okay, but we're going to introduce you because you need to know about her. She's a big deal in the pro-life arena, and she's really leading the cause for respectful dialogue, but not at all shying away from the truth 
of what abortion really does, which is killing a human life. Lila is such an inspiration to me. She is a wonderful, wonderful woman who really does preach the gospel in such beautiful ways and speaking truth. There's so much that we talk about in this podcast. I can't wait for you to listen to it. It's really great. I just want you to get over there and hear what Lila has to say. So I'm going to wrap up. And without further ado, here is Miss Lila Rose. All right, friends, we are back and we are here with Miss Lila Rose. Lila, how are you doing? I'm great, Leah. How are you? I'm good. So happy to chat with you. Of course, we have to admit we have been chatting for 30 minutes prior to this before starting the podcast <laughs> because, because, you know, life, we haven't talked, actually caught up in a while. So it's so good to have you on, though. I'm really excited to chat with you today about what we are, what the type of conversation is within the pro-life movement, your work, and a little bit of everything. We have a jam-packed outline here of the, of the topics we want to get through. I guess starting out really quickly, for anybody who doesn't know, can you just give us like this quick statement of like, how, how did you get into this? I mean, this is sometimes not exactly the work that people want to get into. I mean, I mean, like if you say you're in the pro-life movement or you're doing pro-life work, you're basically attacked on all fronts everywhere. It seems like all the time, but how did you get started in the pro-life movement and how did that grow to where it is today? Sure. So the short story is as a teenager, well, actually, I was like 12 when I was first planning for it. And then 13 started the pro 13, 14, starting up a pro-life club, which became live action when I was 15. Was it result of I'm from a big family? I actually wasn't raised Catholic. I became Catholic when I was a college student. But as a Protestant girl in a family that was very pro-life because I'm one of eight kids, I found out about abortion as a young girl. I was absolutely horrified. I thought, is this real? Is this really happening? I wanted to do something about it. And I felt inspired to start up a pro-life group, you know, high school outreach as a teenager. And we started doing these pro-life presentations in schools and churches as live action, just sharing the humanity of the unborn, sharing the truth about what abortion is, how it harms women, and also giving chastity talks. And then when I got to college, I started doing investigative reporting on the abortion industry and that helped launch live action nationally so that those small community-based, you know, pro-life presentations became the inspiration for now national, international outreach for the pro-life cause. And now live action is the leading online platform for the pro-life movement. We're reaching millions of people every week with the truth and creating amazing video content that is helping change hearts and minds and helping, you know, reach people because we realize that a lot of people just don't know the truth. And when they do, um, it's amazing how many people are willing to be open to the pro-life, the pro-life point of view, which is really just pro-love and pro-humanity of every person. Yeah. Amen. And so that's liveaction.org, correct? Yes. Liveaction.org. And we're all over social media on Instagram, liveaction.org and on Twitter and, and Facebook and everywhere, YouTube. So follow along absolutely, and, and check out, check it out. And we will include that website and then all of the social media handles from live action in the podcast notes. So don't worry about it right now. We will include that there and that and definitely make sure that you follow up. I definitely do. I love it. It's a part of my daily news that I make sure I'm looking through to see what's going on in the pro-life movement. Now, okay. I want to go back to one point that you mentioned. You did not grow up Catholic, but you are a Catholic convert. Can you just tell us like, 
How did that work? I mean, was it through the pro-life movement that kind of brought you into the Catholic Church or was it something else? And then who did you choose for your confirmation saint? Great question. That's the fun part is the confirmation saint. (laughs) So basically, I was on this faith journey from my teenage years. I just wanted to know, how do I get to know God? Who is God? I came to believe, you know, I was raised in a Protestant tradition, but I really had my own kind of coming into my faith as a 15-year-old saying, okay, I believe Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. Salvation is through Christ. Okay, now what? You know, how do I really encounter Christ? How do I how do I be discipled by him? And I started to read a lot of the church fathers and doctors. I was starting to just do my study, my research. I when I got to college, I was church hopping, you know, going to the Lutheran church one day and the Protestant church that met in the movie theater the next day. And I was just starving for starving for the truth. And what I realized later is I was really hungry for the sacraments and for the communion of the saints and for the the guidance of mother church that I didn't have that, you know, that apostolic succession all the way back to our Lord, that is this richness. And I, I just was searching for it. And so ultimately I, I fell in with some ladies at this um, Opus Day Women's Center right by UCLA, where I ended up going to this random little chapel mass one Sunday with a friend. And I was just so impressed by their reverence and just something was just just calling to me, I felt in the mass and I was sitting in the back of the church. And I turned to one of these older ladies and I just said, Hey, is there someone here who can like mentor me or something? And she kind of like looked at me and smiled and she's like, okay. She's like, come this week. I'll, we can meet up. And she ended up being my sponsor. And then I ended up meeting with this fantastic priest who really helped me learn and catechize me, you know, taught me about, you know, my questions about Mary and purgatory and all these things. And within another year and a half or so, I was received into the church. And I um, I chose Joan of Arc as my confirmation saint. I love Joan. She was a big inspiration for me, even as a Protestant girl, because I read Mark Twain's Joan of Arc, which I highly recommend if any of you ladies want to learn more about St. Joan. Mark Twain did a really great adaptation, explanation, you could say, of of her life. And he called it his best book that he ever wrote. And I read that as a young Protestant girl, and I was so enamored with Joan's just simplicity and her courage and her confidence in Christ and, and God and the calling that he had for her. And that really resonated with me and I, as I pursued the pro-life calling. So it was, it was natural for me to pick Joan when I was getting confirmed. Okay. So let me go back just a second here to, let me go back a second here to the part in your story where you just tap on a random woman's shoulder and say, can you mentor me? How did, I mean, did you even know this person? Did you just, I mean, I just want, I just, I mean, I just want to, I'm just so curious myself. Like, is this just some random lady? And you're like, Hey, can you mentor me? And so, yeah. Did you know that person at all? (laughs) I did not know her, but I did have a sense that this little center, because I knew a a girl that went there and she had already graduated, but she spoke really highly of it. And I was just so moved by the mass and the reverence. And I had already been reading the church fathers and doctors and kind of being, you know, doing my own catechesis journey, you could say. So I was already starting to come around to just this realization that this Catholic church has been around 2000 years, that, you know, that Mary is this beautiful woman that the Protestant church doesn't talk about. And I'm I'm like, I really want to just get to know Mary and these ladies that are so faithful in this and that live at the center. I mean, I knew she lived there. And this woman, and I knew that she, you know, was doing, she was there to kind of serve the Catholic young women community at UCLA. 
So I thought, okay, well, maybe I can just try this out and see if I can see if I can learn anything from her because I had, I mean, I, I do have a bad habit of, you know, going around and asking people lots of questions to try to learn everything I can from them. But in, I just had this strong sense. It was the Holy spirit that I had something that I had to learn from her and that I had found a kind of a, an oasis in the middle of the craziness of my massive university and this oasis. And really it was the Eucharist was there. I mean, again, I hadn't really fully come to realize the true presence, but I just sensed it in my soul. And it was really a, a grace from God that I, I start, struck up a, struck up that, that mentorship relationship really with, with this woman. Yeah. And that's amazing. I love, and I'm saying, I'm saying this woman, cause she'd be, she's like, don't go around saying my name, but she's, yeah, she's just an amazing, they're, they're, they were all amazing ladies, but she in particular was so generous in taking me on as their, as this charity case to help me out. <laughs> no problem. We will keep her anonymous and we will just say, thank you, this woman, this special <laughs> woman. We are very thankful for her and her willingness to accept your questions and, and, and asking her if you will if she will mentor you. I did, I love, I love your boldness. I think that is missing. And so many women right now, wonderful, amazing women who are afraid and have that fear to be bold and to do something beautiful and to just to speak up and to get answers. And you, you have that now with you coming into the Catholic church, did that affect your family at all? Or have they been curious of the Catholic church or, or how, how did that work out? So, um, amazing story. Most of my family since then has become Catholic as well. Many were on their own faith journey. My mom was raised Catholic, but very culturally never really practiced. Her parents would just send them to church and never went themselves, you know, rarely went themselves. But she came back to the church after I came in. My dad came into the church, four of my siblings, and then later on, my oldest brother and his wife and their kids came in. So we're almost all in. <laughs> Not all. There's a few, a few that aren't, but. But it's just been amazing to see just the spark. And it was really, I mean, my dad was on his own faith journey, reading the church fathers and doctors. So this was sort of this intellectual culture in my family where we were studying the starting Christianity and Western civilization. And so that was part of my upbringing. And that really, you know, prepared me to learn even more when I, when I left home. But yeah, they all, they're almost all in. <laughs> a lot of them are in. So that's amazing. I mean, just as a little bit random of a question, did you go to traditional schools or were you home homeschooled? I was homeschooled. Love yeah, that, that's not already obvious. <laughs> um, yeah, I homeschooled all throughout. I mean, my parents started a, actually a classical academy of sorts to support the homeschool community in San Jose. But yeah, all eight of us homeschooled. It was awesome. It was harder being high school homeschooled than going to college. <laughs> really? So it was really hard. They, they, my parents were, especially my dad was, you know, they're both really into education. And so they, yeah, I'm very grateful, very grateful to them. Very good for me to hear. I'm a new parent and my oldest, Agnes, is five and we are beginning the homeschool here in our home. So it's encouraging for me. I'm always curious now when I see, you know, people I admire in the world and, you know, well-spoken, well-educated. I'm always wondering, okay, how did that work for you? And always are great if, you know, as long as you're paying attention to the content you're giving your kids, but just curious. Okay. All right. So, okay. So from there, Lily, and then at 15, you start live action, which just, I, I just, at 15, I could barely freaking get myself together out of bed and here you are starting live action, but that's awesome. So you do that. and then. I remember 
way back when, when you were doing a lot of undercover work. And I don't know, because maybe just the time that it's been since that happened, but some people I bet probably don't know that. Would you mind kind of sharing a little bit? Because I feel like that's when things began to really explode, at least it it seemed to me in the pro-life movement of what was going on in particular with Planned Parenthood. Sure. So as a college student, I you know, quickly saw the just complete lack of knowledge or awareness on campus about abortion. And I also realized that Planned Parenthood and abortion advocacy folks had a strong influence. I mean, Planned Parenthood had an internship program with UCLA. And I also saw that there were no pregnant students on campus, but I knew that there was this hookup culture. I mean, that the health center was literally passing out bowls of, you know, handing, it had bowls of condoms on every level of the multi-story health center. So there was this really culture of like encouraging sexual experimentation, but very, you know, no discussion of pregnancy or marriage or children or anything that's supposed to, you know, accompany the beautiful, you know, ultimately what's meant to be a sacrament of sex within marriage, a sacrament of marriage. So all of that was really kind of just, I was kind of sensing it, seeing it. And so I I was inspired to start doing reporting by doing an undercover stint at my health center to see what they said to girls who were pregnant. Cause I, I, I suspected that they promote, they pushed abortion. I found out that they did. And then I started doing investigative reporting of local abortion clinics in Los Angeles, including Planned Parenthood, specifically Planned Parenthood, because I also realized that there's this huge unregulated abortion industry. I mean, basically once you legalize abortion, which has happened basically 45 years ago with Roe v. Wade, once you allow this horrific injustice of, of, of the killing of a child, you also open the door to all these other abuses against women, against families in our society. And I wanted to document that and try to get the, the news about it out because nobody was reporting on it. Even in the pro-life movement, it wasn't really talked about very much. And there was such little information. So we started doing investigative reporting, putting the videos up on the fledgling YouTube. This was 10 years ago. So YouTube was just getting started. And we started just seeing it spark. And all of these people just, you know, started going viral and people are just saying, wow, we had no idea that this was happening, that Planned Parenthood's covering up sexual abuse, that they're breaking the law, that they're lying to women. And that I, you know, was part of this, this moment of a national conversation that was, you know, at least the opportunity for conversations to be had about the truth about the abortion industry in America. Merry Christmas, my friends. Okay, I know it's a, it's a little early to say Merry Christmas, but it's never too early to think about what you're going to get all of those beautiful people in your life for Christmas. What are you going to get them? It's going to be here before you know it, but this is something that we are doing right now to help you out with that. This episode is sponsored by Catholic Relief Services Ethical Trade, and they have come out with an Ethical Trade Holiday Gift Guide. You can go to this one spot to get everything on your list for anybody on your list. It is, they're all unique. They're definitely going to be different than what everyone else is going to get them. It's a great, great idea. This is so wonderful. You can put Christmas back into your shopping with ethically produced gifts that really do uplift an entire world of people. And every single partner on this list has been vetted for fair wages, safer working conditions, and environmentally sustainable practices. And what's even better is that with every purchase, a donation goes back to Catholic Relief Services. So twice the impact. So fantastic. So make sure you go and check them out, ethicaltrade.crs.org. 
I will have the link in my podcast notes. Make sure you check them out. Ethicaltrade.crs.org. They have something for everybody. Things for the kitchen, for fashion, comfort, like candles and soaps and lotions. Things for the home, things for entertaining, coffee, chocolate, you name it. There's so much stuff. I will say, for the record, you better go check out the Lavender Honeysuckle Body Butter. It is so great. It makes you smell like a queen. I love that. And I also personally love the Alabaster Swirl Candle. I own both of those. Oh, it's so great. They're just wonderful. They're like the Maya treat yourself gifts that I, I love to give other people and myself once in a while. So go ahead, check it out. It is really a wonderful thing. This holiday season, you can get all of your stuff for all of the people in your life right there by visiting the Ethical Trade Holiday Gift Guide by Catholic Relief Services. Again, that is ethicaltrade.crs.org. And so you went undercover into different sites, Planned Parenthood locations, and were able to pull out and reveal and expose these lies that was going on, or at least what we as the public have been lied to, that they're this great facility that's going to really care for women and what they're going to do. But they're really breaking the law on a variety of levels, all in supposedly the name of women's rights. Yes. So went undercover, starting my first undercover, time undercover was as a you know 18-year-old college student, and then did that for a couple more years where I would myself be going undercover, posing as a woman who was a young girl who was pregnant, maybe the victim of sexual abuse, the victim of statutory rape. And I would document the Planned Parenthood workers because we've done this, the research and there are all these court cases of girls who've been sexually abused, taken to Planned Parenthood. The abuse had been covered up. They had violated the law by not reporting it. They're supposed to report it to get that girl help, but they don't. Instead, they're selling these secret abortions and sending these little girls back to the arms of abusers. So I was documenting that by posing as those victims to, to show that it's happening from the manager level on down, which we did document. And then after doing that for a couple of years, they got really onto me, you could say. I mean, I, I bleached my hair blonde at one point to keep doing undercover work because they, they had my photo up as a brunette. But it got to the point where it was like, okay, I can't keep doing this because it was too high risk. Like they knew who I was. They knew who I was. So um, it was time to train others. And so for the last 10 years, Live Action has done a number of these investigative reports that involve also other folks doing it that we've trained, including pregnant mamas. Like we've actually had some really brave ladies do investigative reporting for us who were at, who are actually pregnant, you know, in their you know, early third, late second trimester who have gone and exposed late term abortionists. They're just incredible people I've gotten to work with but all in all exposing all of these different abuses in the abortion industry. Oh God. It's just overwhelming. Lila. Is it? I mean, it's just, do you ever get overwhelmed with it? I do. I mean, I think that that's where if I didn't have access to the bigger picture through our Lord, through the, the, the nourishment of the sacraments, through the teaching of our, of our Holy Mother church to understand that this is God's battle. You know, it's not my battle. It's not your battle. It's not, you know, it's we're part of the bigger battle and we get to serve the king of kings. And I'm the daughter of the king. If I didn't have that reality in my heart, it would be crushing because you're dealing with the most horrific, heartbreaking stuff. And it's day in, day out in the pro-life movement or really any of in, in this fight for souls, period. We're dealing, you know, we're not just battling flesh and blood. We're battling powers and principalities. So that bigger picture of God's authority and God's love 
is truly the answer <laughs> to to everything and has been has sustained me through it all. Mm, amen. And, st- and continues to. Amen to that. So what is going on? Can you give us like can you tell us like what is going on right now in the, the current battle with, 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 you know, pro-life and pro-death sides. I mean, what is going on currently? Yes. So I'll share three things of the current pro-life battle. Two of them are political. And then one of the big ones is cultural. So under political. So first of all, there's the Supreme Court hearings right now. If anyone's kind of a political junkie tracking everything, it's kind of exhausting, but it's all very interesting too. Basically, we have, you know, an opportunity to slant the, the Supreme Court to be pro-life or at least potentially in support of life, which could undo years of bad case law that have, have legalized abortion in this country. So since Roe v. Wade 45 years ago, over 60 million children have been killed. The states cannot protect life in their communities. They're forced to allow abortion clinics. That could all change if Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court nominee gets confirmed. So that's a big deal happening right now. And Kavanaugh seems, you know, people on the street are saying he's going to be on our side. He's good. So it's a really hopeful situation. So there's that Supreme Court battle. Number two, there's the battle over Planned Parenthood funding, which live action is really involved in. Right now, abortion, you know, the biggest abortion provider is getting a half of a billion dollars every year from taxpayers, which is insane. They're getting all this money and they're also killing. 900 children every single day. So they get $1.5 million a day from taxpayers and they kill 900 children every day. So heartbreaking, terrible, big fight to try to get some of that money disentangled from Planned Parenthood, especially because currently the the current administration really claims to be pro-life and has made these promises. So we're trying to keep them to those promises. So those are political things, Supreme Court, Planned Parenthood. And then we want to ultimately, of course, create protection for life completely in our laws. But the thing that live action is most focused on right now, which I am really excited about is shifting public opinion. So shifting people's perspectives on abortion. So what we're thinking through every day is how do we create media that really changes hearts and minds? How do we get people to watch a video that is going to show them what abortion really is in a way that they can really receive that will make them see the truth, that this is a child, that this is an act of violence, that they cannot be okay with this. And we've launched this series of videos called Abortion Procedures, which I am just blown away to say that have over 100 million views online now, which is just insane. We did not anticipate it would be that much of a viral viral impact. So we're really building on that right now, which really just show people through medical animations, what happens during the four most prevalent abortion procedures. So people don't really, you know, know, they don't really think about it. A lot of women maybe having abortions didn't really realize, or people who are just voting, you know, for abortion or think they're fine with abortion. But really, it's an opportunity to give people the truth and to see what happens during the abortion procedure. It's narrated by a former abortionist who explains what abortion actually does to that child. And we have seen incredible responses, Leah. I mean, people have said flat out, this changed my mind. Women who've had abortions have gotten access to post-abortion healing. Women who were going to have an abortion have said, we're not having this abortion anymore. I mean, just incredible responses to, to of people who it's beyond the label, pro-life, pro-choice, and now it's real. This is abortion, and it is transforming the way that people see this issue like we've never seen before. Amen. 
And it's so, that, that is so important because I think people forget or don't, maybe they either forget, they don't care. They are willfully ignorant of the fact that this is a person. Like what, I mean, this isn't just a clump of cells, right? This isn't just some tissue that's going on. This is an individual, unique and unrepeatable human being. And we're so big right now in our culture of proclaiming rights for this group of people and that group of people and these lives matter and these lives matter. And it's just like all lives matter. Yes, all lives matter from the very, very beginning. I just, if we can't protect this, if we can't defend this, then what's to say that we, when we get older, are going to be out too? I mean, this type of genocide that goes on. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm talking to Lila Rose about this, but I mean, like it just, it kills me. We do this, we do this as a culture and we, and we don't think there's going to be some type of backlash to it. I mean, from assisted suicide to the, you know, abortion, I mean, everything in, in, in between, it's easier to treat any person poorly. If you don't respect that a person is a person from the very beginning. Exactly. And, you know, Mother Teresa, who I just love and has been a huge St. Teresa now of Calcutta, she said abortion is the greatest destroyer of peace in the world today. She had all these other causes and, and mission work she was doing, but she said abortion is the greatest destroyer of peace because when we allow for the killing of those that are the most vulnerable, our very children, and, and mothers are turned against their own kids. I mean, flesh against their own, that mothers are turned against their own flesh, their own child. We cannot have peace anywhere in the, in the nation or the world, and especially not the family. So that's the heart of this. I mean, it's, yes, it's a legal battle, but it really is a battle for the soul of, of the nation and for our, for the heart of our families. Amen. And it, it just so happens, obviously this podcast is we're recording it now, but it's going to be put out in a few more weeks. But we happen to be recording it on the feast day of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Yay. So what, a, <laughs> uh, what a special time. And that truly was not planned. We, Lila and my assistant, Nicole, were going back and forth and uh, a, finding a date that would work. And this one did. And of course, I definitely don't think it's a just a plain old coincidence, but God had that special thing planned. And I know that she's with us there here in this conversation and she's with all of us, especially in terms of this particular movement in the world and the defending of all life and the dignity of all life, which Lila, you are bravely leading in that battle and a, such a strong voice in the pro-life movement. What are some of, I mean, because it's such a battle and there are so many things and that we do have to become, you know, strengthen ourselves in Christ to be able to fight, but what are some, could you share some like, just so we can wrap up with a little bit of a, of a positive point. Any success stories? I mean, like what has kind of come out either from Life Action or other groups that you've seen who have changed their mind or changed their, their perspective on abortion that have really inspired you personally? Sure. Well, every time we hear about a baby whose life has been saved and we hear this regularly, I mean, women who contact us and say, you know, we, we had one woman contact us with a picture of her baby and said, after seeing, you know, this video of yours, and she named one of our videos, I didn't have my abortion. Here's my little girl now. So when we see that, I mean, everything is worth it. I, I, literally, it, we think of it this way, if all of our work helps to save one life, it is more than worth it. And we know that there are many lives being saved and, and hearts that are being changed. 
Also, I, I know I mentioned, Leah, our different video series that we do. And we're really just, you know, continually putting out this, this these videos and this content to change hearts and minds. And we do the, the testing on it. And it's really exciting to see, you know, when we do a survey, say, of pro-choice women. So we do surveys of pro-choice women, 18 to 30. And we show them, you know, one of our, say, abortion procedure videos. And, you know, a full third of them say, wow, this made me more negatively view abortion. And then half of them say, I think that this video should be available to all teenagers, basically, to be shown in, you know, high school government sex ed classes, or that everyone should at least be given access to this information. So just seeing that people's openness to the information, and then people's willingness to change, especially those that really disagree, has been very inspiring. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, the results are in God's hands. But it's really wonderful to get to watch people respond and the, those, those light bulbs turn on and people to say, wow, I didn't know. Now I, now I want to be pro-life. That's amazing. I love it. I love, I mean, there's nothing better than hearing that. You're right. And if it's just one life being saved, of course, it's worth it completely. Okay. So what I've noticed and what's been happening, of course, I know, you know, cause you've been talking about it and you've been on major news networks still talking about it is and what some people, what some, what might some people not know is this crazy underground ban on pro-life speech that is still going on. Layla, why? Why is this happening? And is there any end in sight of them lifting some of these bans and, you know, from Twitter or YouTube or Facebook saying that you can't have this content on their social media platforms? I mean, what what's happening with that? Sure. It's a really big concern, Leah. Basically, Twitter has completely blocked live action and my feed. So live action, Lila Grace Rose, both our feeds from doing any advertising for over two years now. Planned Parenthood is actively advertising. Advertising is an opportunity to get your tweets basically in front of more people that don't already follow you. And we're totally banned. And they said we're banned because, you know, basically our content is in violation of their hate and sensitive topics policy. <laughs> and that if we don't delete pro-life content or images of ultrasound or discussions of abortion or criticism of Planned Parenthood, if we don't delete that from our website, we can't, and from our Twitter feed, we can't do any promotion. So that's pretty crazy, especially when Twitter's CEO has said, Jack Dorsey on national TV, he said, hey, we do not discriminate based on viewpoint. That's totally false. They do, and they're actively doing it. So we're, we're basically just trying to spread awareness about that. We've had some issues with both Facebook and YouTube as well. They have seemed to suppress our content at points and made it difficult to post content. So we're kind of constantly wrestling with them. So far, there's been no major issues that haven't been resolved, but we're always, you know, concerned. And that's why I'm on the Leah Darrow podcast right now, because you're not going to ban me. <laughs> we're not banned, actually. You know, we're not banned from Facebook or, or Twitter or YouTube, but we are suppressed at times and then definitely completely blocked from advertising on Twitter. Oh, and yeah, so, so much for free speech, right? Yeah, it's just, it's really, I mean, they're private companies, but the part that is, I think, potentially where they have liability and where it's wrong is the fact that they have said that they don't discriminate. That's what they're publicly claiming. And that's how they built trust with their users over the years, that they're not going to censor you just because they, you believe something differently than what their boss does or their CEO, but that's just not the truth. I mean, that's not what they're doing. And that's the part that's really, really bad and of a huge concern. And so important for us to be aware of and know, because if you're just receiving and consuming what media is giving you, you're not getting the full story. 
Right. Exactly. And we need to put on, you know, we need to be able to make, make sure that we, that we think through this. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not our brains. So we need to make sure we think through this whole thing and look what media is doing and influence they have of, uh, like you said, suppressing information, not putting it out there. And then on, on the flip side, you know, allowing sites like and groups like Planned Parenthood to be even more visible and then sites like live action to be less or completely suppressing their posts at all. So really good to know and to stay on top of and to make sure that you actually follow them on multiple different social media platforms and you visit their website, liveaction.org to get the information that you need to become informed of what's going on in the pro-life movement and how you can become involved in it. Now, Layla, you're on the news all the time and you're always addressing these issues. And I'm always, I'm, I'm always impressed for a few things. One that is kind of silly, but I'm a girl. Great hair. I love how you style your hair. It is just so beautiful. I just really like it. So there's that. But the more serious question I have for you is, how do you stay calm in all of these interviews that you have on, I mean, Fox News, in the Crossfire, uh, I mean, O'Reilly Factor. I mean, all of these things going on. I, I watch you and I watch people attack you and, and from the other side. And it is amazing that you respond with clarity and peace. How did that happen? Well, I mean, I'm one of eight kids. And so I don't know. I'm the third oldest. I have five brothers. I don't know. I just grew up where um, sometimes being under pressure is when I feel I can operate the best. So I think it's just something, a gift from God, I guess, that is not necessarily my own virtue. But the virtue part is where I at least try to just pray to the Holy Spirit, pray to the Blessed Mother, and just ask for the grace and then and have have the right perspective. Because again, if you go into it like I'm gonna go knock out the opposition, then yeah, you might get really, you know, feisty to the point of being too, you know, abrasive. But if you go in there and you're thinking, okay, my job here is to persuade, is to listen and try to point out the truth and be insistent and firm, but to not, but to do it in a way that shows that, you know, I respect the other person. I think having that mindset as well is really helpful going into any kind of crazy media environment. <laughs> yeah. I love how you always answer questions. I feel like I'm always taking notes. I'm like, this is good. I mean, you always, and I, I mean, I know you well enough to know at least this, you definitely are listening to what the other person is saying, which is so important. You're not just going to jump in and immediately cancel everything out. But you do sincerely listen and then you respond with such poise that we all could probably learn from at least, especially when you're talking about hot topics and they're so charged within pro-life conversations. Thanks, Leah. Well, it's a work in progress and I'm always with my team. It's like we always have to improve, like do better. And, you know, I'm I'm a work in progress and we all are. And the And the good news is that, again, you know, we have the truth that we've been given this amazing gift of the truth and, you know, both as Catholics and then in the fight for our life. And, you know, it's our job to make it as winsome and beautiful and attractive and compelling and, and persuasive as possible. And the good news is it's not always that hard if we're willing to do a little bit of the work. Amen. Exactly. And it does take work. It's not just going to come at you and be available for you. Like, like with the drop of a hat, you have to do the work, like, like you said, and be able to, acknowledge the truth, surrender to it, and let that work in you and through you. So Layla, what about, you know, like, what does the future look like right now for the pro-life movement? Like, where do you see, what's the trajectory? Where do you see this going? 
Well, I think on the political side, I'm just praying for complete legal protection of the preborn. And, you know, if we can overturn Roe, which I think is within reach, especially if Kavanaugh hits the Supreme Court bench, then we might have a chance at instituting state laws because Roe, you know, makes sure that the states can't protect life in their own, you know, jurisdictions in their own states. But I think the bigger fight is a cultural battle. And that's something that, you know, every single woman on this podcast who's listening, you know, we are all part of that battle. And I use the word battle because it does take courage and it takes, you know, grittiness and it takes persistence, but it's really a a battle of love. I mean, living out our faith holistically, trying to follow God's call for our individual lives, trying to live a moral life, going to the sacraments, and then being willing to speak the truth. And, you know, with live action doing what it's doing and so many other apostolates sprouting up and all the work being done, I believe that with God's mercy, you know, we can see renewal in our culture. And it's happening in many pockets already in America and in the world. There's some beautiful, you know, apostolates that are just springing up internationally and nationally. And the more we do that, and then also, I think, you know, have big Catholic families and um, are very, you know, open to life and very, you know, open to vocation, whether to the priesthood or to married life, religious life, the more that we're just alive to God's will in our individual lives, I think that we will see transformation. And I do believe that abortion can be ended, legalized and culturally accepted abortion can be ended and will be ended in our nation. And it will be a a mercy of God and the work of folks like those listening in today and, you know, everyday folks in their community and these different apostolates who are not going to give up. And because the truth is always more powerful than the lie and love is always more powerful than hate. And it is God's battle. So I, I believe that there are great days ahead and the movement will continue to grow and it'll reach tipping points legally and, and continually culturally to reach that day when abortion is, is a thing of the past. Amen. Praise be to God for that. And we need that inspiration. Speaking of inspiration, you are going to be speaking at the Focus Conference Seek this upcoming January, January 2019, correct? Correct. So excited for this. You, Lila, will be giving a one of the women's sessions. And oh man, ladies, first off, number one, if you're in college, you need to be going to Seek. You absolutely, I mean, you just got to go. And to, I mean, clearly, as if you know, if you've been before, the women's sessions are amazing. And I'm not just saying that because I've spoken at them before, because that does sound a little bit self-serving. Not what I'm saying, but they are amazing. Wonderful, wonderful time to get together. And you got to go hear Lila's talk. Lila, can you give us like a little snippet? Like what are you going to be talking about in your talk? Sure. So I'm going to be talking about being on a mission, whether you're single or you're married. I'm getting married in a month, so I will be freshly on the married mission when I'm speaking in January and using your 20s, especially for God. So I just turned 30 and this summer and, you know, really using our time both as college students and in those years, whether it's before marriage or just entering into marriage to be on a mission. I mean, we have our identity as daughters of the King. We're daughters of God. We are loved beyond our wildest dreams by God, but we are given a special mission and that's lived out through both the community that we're in. So the friendships we have, our families, potentially our marriages as we enter into marriage and it's lived out in our, the people we encounter and the the truth we're willing to speak and the love we're willing to show. And that's going to be, yeah, just sharing some stories and thoughts about 
that journey that I'm still on, but that I've been on over the last 10 years. Amen. I can't wait. I cannot wait to be there. Can't wait to sit in and listen to you, Layla. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you check that out. I'll include the Seek website as well for you to register. So you're welcome, Focus. And so for you ladies in college, if you want to go, please go. And if you are a parent and you've got a kid in college, send them. If you care about their faith, which I'm assuming you do listening to this podcast, at least, please send them to the Seek Conference. It is really transformational for college kids to be able to go and experience a shared faith with over 10,000 other college kids um, and an amazing area and venue from hearing wonderful speakers, inspirational talks uh, that are, are completely faithful to the church, churches teaching, and are going to give you some great truth. So you can get out. I'll, I'll, I'll give that information in my uh, podcast notes as well within that. Okay, Lila, a few last minute questions for you. Are you ready? Yes, ready. Okay. okay, so these are just kind of random that I like to sometimes do with my guests, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it with you. Okay, so if you could be any character in the Lord of the Rings series, who would you be and why? That's a good question. I mean, I love Aragorn, but he's a guy. <laughs> I actually had a crush on him when I used to watch uh, Lord of the Rings, but I mean, I don't know, probably. What's her name? The, the, the not Galadriel woman. What's you um, mean? The other woman that's not Galadriel. Oh, the the elf girl. <laughs> her? Who's your favorite character, Leah? <laughs> well, my favorite character is actually clearly neither of us have watched it recently. <laughs> I'm really bad with names, and even names, me too, me too. I, 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 I am. I'm terrible. So, and I, and you know, Tolkien uses some some weird sounding names. So I'm always exactly like, blame Tolkien. <laughs> I am going to blame him because he's dead, and why not? But yeah, no. My favorite is Sam. <laughs> Sam. Sam. Okay. That's a that's a great one. You cannot go wrong with Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. Gamgee. Yeah. <laughs> Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. I um right. I love Samwise. Yeah. It's he's like I would love to be, and I've said this before in a different podcast a while back, but I would love to say that I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be Frodo and I'll be the hero, but I know that's not me. I just, I am the cheerleader. I'm the person who's going to tell the other person, you can do this. Get going. I will carry you all the way up as far as I can go, but you can do this. And I just know that like, I am Sam. I'm that crazy gardener hanging out like, hey guys, what's going on? You know, I am Sam. So that is me. Yeah. I, that's who I am. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking up right now as we're talking, trying to... I'm literally doing the same thing. <laughs> Are, I'm like, why can we not think of her name? Because she's... I know who you're talking she's, about. She's like dark-haired. Her love interest is that the blonde guy. <laughs> Legolas? <laughs> so embarrassing. I think so. I think so. Or is it Aragorn? Oh, no, no, no. She loves Aragorn. Sorry. she the Aragorn is her love interest. Arwen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Arwen. Yeah, she's really great. Just very calm and beautiful. But yeah, Aragorn, I just, I love Aragorn because he's this like defender and he's like out on the run and he's like, you know, trying to keep the hobbits from the bad guys. And he has like a, you know, just long shaggy hair. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think the whole, I remember watching Lord of the Rings in theaters like 10 years ago and just being floored and thinking it was so beautiful. And yeah, I don't know. Aragorn's pretty cool. 
I, I like that. I like I if I thought about you, if I had to guess it for you, I would have probably said, Oh, her name is Aelin. Do you remember her? So <laughs> she liked Aragorn, but Aragorn wasn't going for her. And then um she's the one who at the very end stabs the terrible about these things, but she stabs like Sauron or whatever in the face and the mask and she says, I am no man. Oh, because no man could kill him. Right. No man could kill him. But she was a woman. So she did it. I love it. (laughs) Well, there you go. Here I am claiming, and I do, I claim this all the time that I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd, which I am. But at the same time, I'm also a mother and I got mom brain. And you can't deny that. It is true. So anyways, okay. So that is, I always love to find out like what what, what people would say. All right. Now here's another quick question off the topic. What is your morning routine? What does that look like? So if it's a good morning... (laughs) I get out of bed right when my alarm rings and I try to listen to the readings on my little Laudate podcast. And I slowly put on my, (laughs) slowly put on my sunscreen on my face and my clothes on my body and get ready for the day. Um, And then walk out of my bedroom and get a cup of coffee. So it's, it's not right now. I'm actually living with my brother and sister-in-law with their four kids before I get married for a few months. So my morning routine also includes 7 a.m. shrieks and laughs and cries (laughs) from my four nieces and nephews who are all under the age of six. But yeah, so basically it includes saying a quick prayer, finding coffee, and attempting to get up when my alarm tells me to. All right. I like it. Now, what time do you normally get up? Usually around seven. Okay. Nice. All right. You're a mom, so you're probably getting up at like six. Uh, There's... Time is so relative now. It's like, who cares? I'm just up all the time. I just don't even know what time it is and it doesn't really matter, but that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's just a season of life, but all right. So two last questions and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, okay. So who has been your most inspirational woman in your life living and then dead man or woman? Um, you could do either one. I guess we'll allow men to be a part of this question. Sure. Who is the most okay. inspirational person in your life living and then the most uh, inspirational person in your life that's, that is deceased? Well. Oh, hold on a second. I, and you can't choose Jesus. So he's off limits. I was going to ask, yeah, if we could. And then what about like all the saints? Yep, yep, yep. Totally off limits. How can you pick one? Okay. Yeah, then that makes sense. A dead person that's not a saint that's inspirational <laughs> or a person living. Okay. Well, I'm inspired by my family. I mean, my parents inspire me because they're just good. And I, I'm, I get to watch my own parents become, I think they're on their path to sainthood and I just watch them get better each year. And so that's just really beautiful. You know, our family's been through a lot of things and challenges and issues, but just watching, watching my parents struggle and live out their own fidelity has been really beautiful. I mean, can I say my fiance? <laughs> yes, um, he's amazing. And yeah, the best man I know that's not my dad. <laughs> that's living. So I'm going to be marrying him. So I think he's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then dead person. I mean, I don't know. I think obviously the saints learning about them and everything. I really love like learning about historical figures who are dead. I'd love to like get to talk to them. I hope I get to see them all in heaven and we can chat. But yeah, I would say my parents and my fiance. Love it. Very, very good. And my nieces and nephews. <laughs> uh, they'll definitely help you get to heaven, and so will your own future kids as well. Those kids are amazing, aren't they? There's nothing like babies. I mean, 
our kids. I, I living, living with four little ones in the last few months has just been such a joy. I love that you, you say that. You can't be depressed life. around a baby. You just can't be depressed around a baby. And it's hard to be self-absorbed around a child. Like you just being around little ones, it just changes your perspective. And yes, I'm not the mom, so I'm not having to care for them 24 seven. So I know that there'll be special, you know, different struggles as a mom, but it's just incredibly beautiful to just watch and hang out with little kids. It is. I agree. I've got four little ones running around my house all the time here that I co-created and um, they are, you're right. They just, it is very hard to be self-absorbed around your own kids, around kids in general. They need you. They want you. They want your attention. And it's just nice to stop thinking about all of our own craziness inside our heads to do that is a great thing. Lila, one last thing before I ask you to give a challenge to our listeners. What do you think holds women back more so today than ever before? That is a great question. What immediately popped into my mind is the word comparison and fear. I think that when women, we compare ourselves to each other or people we just don't even know, and we're constantly, you know, looking at ourselves from the perspective of how does the world see me or how do I line up next to the next lady as opposed to how does God see me? Jesus died for me. I am made completely for love and beautifully lovely. I think comparison is probably the biggest, the biggest threat, especially in today's social media age. It's so easy to flip through Instagram or to, you know, look at Facebook and suddenly you're thinking, oh, this is what I'm not. This is what I'm not. Instead of this is who I am. So that would be it. And then fear. I think what would we be if we weren't afraid? You know, what would we, what could we do if we weren't afraid, afraid to fail, afraid to sometimes look different than the person next to us or look, you know, look funny in the world's eyes. What kind of things do we accomplish for God's kingdom? If we weren't afraid, afraid to break up the relationship, that's not good or afraid to, you know, take a risk on this new mission project or whatever it is, um, or speak to a friend, what the truth is about sex or some other tough topic. What would we be or what could we accomplish if we weren't afraid? So I would say fear and comparison are our biggest enemies. Yep. I think we all would agree with you on that one. Before we leave, could you give a challenge to us listeners here on the podcast? A challenge. I would encourage everyone listening to ask our Lord. It all goes back to relationship with our Lord to ask our Lord what he wants you to do when it comes to your apostolate. So Part of that's going to be pro-life. I mean, if you're going to be a, an authentic Catholic woman living out, you know, your faith today, you have to be pro-life. Obviously, you have to stand up for the child in the womb. But it also means standing up for God's truth about marriage and sex. It means, you know, living a life of mercy. It means so many things. So my challenge, I guess, would be very simple. Go to our Lord. Take time with him in mental prayer where you actually get to talk with him, maybe journal to him. Or just sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament, maybe just 10 minutes, try to do it every day if possible, but just taking some time and saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? He has a plan for your life that is beyond what you could even imagine or dream of. It's going to be in some ways more complicated or difficult, but also more beautiful and meaningful if we're willing to say yes to him and go deeper into the yes every day. So that would be my encouragement. Spend time with our Lord, ask him what he wants, and try to get up each day and take the next right step. Wonderful. Awesome. Lila, you as always are a joy to talk with and to spend some time with. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable or, or embarrass you, but 
You are a huge inspiration to me and so many others. Thank you for really doing something beautiful for God and doing it for his glory and doing it so well and patiently. I know I can only imagine that you are attacked on so many different fronts, not just from what people say here, but the spiritual attacks that come along with defending life. And so we are praying for you. We're praying for all um, who do the great work at Life Action. And I just, you know, from one girl to the next, I am so thankful for you, Layla. I'm so thankful that you're my sister in Christ. I'm so thankful that you do the work that you do and that we get to share in each other's work together. And so I just, yeah, just absolutely just love you to death. And I think you're wonderful. And I just am so thankful that you get to uh, do so many beautiful things for the Lord. And we get to share in that with you. Thanks, Leah. Well, thanks so much for having me on. And thanks for being an inspiration to me. And I'm so excited to join the Married Club and to learn about how you do all the beautiful things you do while being a mom to four beautiful human beings. So <laughs> keep it up and you're, you're a beautiful soul. And also excited to see you um, at Focus in just a few months. That's right. We, we both will be there at Seek. Yes. And so make sure that you uh, stay in contact. If you're going to Seek, you can look up Lila and me. We will both be there. It'll be really fun. And then for all you listeners out there right now listening to this awesome episode, thank you. Thank you for your your love and your loyalty. Thank you for all of you who have taken the time to go to iTunes and send me a review and give me those five stars. That really helps bring the podcast up in visibility so more people can hear amazing people like Lila. That's what we need to do. So please do me a favor. If you haven't done it, go ahead and do it. And of course, we're praying for you. I really am. I'm praying right now for you for whatever is going on in your life. You might have turned on this podcast because you just need a break. Maybe you're traveling. Maybe you just are walking from class to class. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but whatever it is, know that you're not alone. Know that Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you, as Lila said, and he has a mission for you that's specific to you and to your gifts. And all you got to do is ask and keep yourself open to that. And remember, whatever you do today, do something beautiful for God. God love you, God bless, and we'll talk to you later.